Hi there, I trust that you're doing well this week. Well, I'm really excited about what God is doing in our midst. We had such an awesome service on Sunday. God's power was really there. He was really present. And I'm so excited about this season that we're going into. People are being healed. People are being delivered. Um, God is just going to be moving from one level of glory to another. So if you can join us at the Royal Elephant Hotel, um, please do so this coming Sunday. Um, God is just doing amazing things. Uh, in our midst and he's healing the sick he's healing the sick uh, the bible is very clear that signs and wonders will follow the preaching of the word and as long as we are preaching his word teaching and equipping people miracles signs and wonders will follow so i'm really excited about that um, let's pray father we thank you for your word we thank you for your presence and we thank you for what you're doing in our midst thank you for your grace Thank you that we can rely on you. Holy Spirit, you are a teacher. Come and equip us concerning this wonderful gift uh, called healing. Thank you, Lord, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're continuing this week and we're going to be talking about what causes sickness, why people get sick. And we're dealing with part three of that. And if you've missed some of the other services that we've had, some of the sermons I've preached, please just catch up online. Um, that'll be really awesome if you can do so. So the sixth reason why people sometimes get sick is familiarity, familiarity. And I've got a few categories of familiarity that I want to discuss with you. And the first one is people become familiar with principles that are spiritual, spiritual principles. We become familiar with certain things, you know. Uh, we've been taught the word for a long time, but we become casual about what we have been taught, right? Let me give you a scripture, a powerful passage. Second Kings chapter 5. And I'm going to read from verses 19 through to 27. Uh, this is to do with Elisha and Naaman. Go in peace, Elisha said. After Naaman had traveled some distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, my master was too easy on Naaman, the Aramean. Now, <clears throat> this is the context. Naaman had just been healed and Naaman offered all sorts of, all sorts of gifts to Elisha and Elisha refused. But look what Elisha's servant does, okay? He felt that uh, his master was too easy on Naaman, this uh, Aramean, by not accepting from him what he brought. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. Now, I don't know if it was motivated by greed or what was going on here, but uh, there was obviously an element of familiarity when it comes to God's principles. So, Gehazi hurried after Naaman. When Naaman saw him running toward him, he got down from the chariot to meet him. Is everything all right? He asked. Everything is all right, Gehazi answered. My master sent me to say, can you see the lie? Two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. Okay, he was trying to be believed in terms of what is going on right by all means take two talents said Naaman he urged Gehazi to accept them and then tied up the two talents of silver in two bags with two sets of clothing he gave them to two of his servants and they carried them ahead of Gehazi when Gehazi came to the hill he took the things from the servants and put them away in the house he sent the men away and they left. 
When he went in and stood before his master, Elisha asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? Your servant didn't go anywhere. Another lie. Gehazi answered, But Elisha said to him, Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Now, I wonder what would have happened if Gehazi just confessed and said, You know what? I've actually done a terrible thing. Okay, but he lied. Is this the time to take money or to accept clothes or olive groves or vineyards or flocks and herds or male and female slaves? Timing is key. Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi, Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and his skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. I find this very fascinating because the very sickness that had been on Naaman came upon Gehazi. So that's a cause of sickness. It would not have happened if he had not lied, if he had not uh, been greedy and pursued uh, something for personal gain. So our motives are so, so important. And you see the beautiful thing about the Old Testament, it actually explains the reason why certain things happened. Now, I'm not saying this is the, this is the only reason for this kind of thing to happen, but we need to acknowledge what the Word of God is showing when it comes to the link between this familiarity and what took place here. He was being familiar with Elisha. Because Elisha had certain principles which Gehazi would have known about. I mean, he had worked with Elisha for quite some time, right? Um, but he says to himself, ah, Elisha was being too easy on Naaman. Was being too easy on Naaman. I know better, right? There's elements of pride there. So I want to ask you this question. Have you become too familiar with any biblical principle? Elisha said to Gehazi, it's not time for this kind of thing, accepting gifts, receiving gifts, getting groves, getting vineyards. But why are you doing this? You should have known better. You've walked with me all this time. Okay. So the scriptures say to us, uh, do not do not boast in God's presence. No flesh shall boast in his presence. But if you become so familiar with his presence that you boast and you are proud in his presence, it could be the cause of sickness. I'm telling you right now. All right. Uh, so you're still proud of his presence, but you know what the scriptures say. Do you still lie to your spouse or lie to your pastors or lie to your boss? But you know this is not the right thing to do. You become familiar with biblical principles. OK, uh, you've been a believer for a long time, but you've become casual about the truth from God's word. You see, Gehazi had spent so much time with Elisha. He should have known better. Now, what's encouraging for me is apparently, according to uh, the tumult, uh, tumultic teaching, that's your, your Jewish um, laws, some of, the, some of their laws, okay? Um, according to that teaching, they, they actually say that the four lepers that rescued and saved uh, the children of Israel during the time where they were being sieged by the king of Aram, uh, that it was actually Gehazi and his three sons. Okay, that's what they say. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what they say in their teachings. So uh, later on, actually in chapter 8, you see that Gehazi appears before the king. Right Now, you couldn't do that in those times if you had leprosy. So uh, maybe God actually did restore him. That's, you know, that's maybe an encouraging thing, especially for his attitude that he had that ended up rescuing uh, the children of, of Israel. So that's 
quite a nice ending to, to his story, as it were. It's not all doom and gloom, if that's true, of course. Right. Um, the second type of familiarity I want to talk about is where people are familiar with spiritual leaders. In Numbers chapter 12, I'm going to read from verses 1 through to 16. I will read it quite quickly. But um, it's the account of Miriam, Aaron, and Moses. So the Bible says here, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses. They criticized him because he married an Ethiopian woman, okay? Sometimes uh, it's written as a Kushite woman, okay? Woman from Africa. They said to themselves, Moses is not the only one the Lord has used to speak to the people. He has also spoken through us. Can you see the familiarity coming in? Hey, if he can do it, I can do it. Hey, we are equal, aren't we? The Lord heard this. Now, this is interesting. God doesn't just hear your prayers. God hears your moans and your groans, your criticisms, uh, your gossip, okay? And these have an impact on your life and in particular, your physical body. Moses was a very humble man. He was more humble than any other man on earth. So suddenly, the Lord came and spoke to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. He said, you three, come to the meeting tent now. So Moses, Aaron, and Miriam went to the tent. The Lord came down in a tall cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent. He called out, Aaron and Miriam, they went to him. God said, listen to me, you will have prophets. I, the Lord, will let them learn about me through visions. I will speak to them in dreams. But Moses is not like that. He is my faithful servant. I trust him with everyone in my house. When I speak to him, I talk face to face with him. I don't use stories with hidden meanings. I show him clearly what I want him to know. So there are levels, ladies and gentlemen. And Moses can look at the very image of the Lord. So why were you brave enough to speak against my servant Moses? The Lord was very angry with them and he left them. The cloud rose from the tent. Aaron turned and looked at Miriam. Her skin was white like snow. She had a terrible skin disease. Then Aaron said to Moses, Please, sir, forgive us for the foolish sin that we did. Don't let her lose her skin like a baby who is born dead. So Moses prayed to the Lord intercession. God, please heal her from this sickness. The Lord answered Moses, if her father spat in her face, she would be shamed for seven days. So put her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can come back into the camp. So they took Miriam outside the camp for seven days and the people did not move from that place until she was brought in again. So what she did slowed down the move of God, slowed down because people couldn't move again, right? They had to wait for her. And a lot of times what familiarity does is it slows down what God wants to do in a local church. After that, the people left Hazareth and traveled to the desert of Paran where they set up camp. So this is a powerful example where they didn't understand that Moses was at another level and they became familiar with him and that familiarity caused criticism. We need to be careful how we speak about 
our spiritual leaders. This is so important. That's why I'm very careful what I say about certain people. There's a great man of God who has been used greatly in a particular nation. And uh, this, this person went through some things in his personal life, but God has still been using him. Great church, great ministry. And people became very critical and they'll talk very carelessly about this person. But I remember a particular person who used to mentor me making a comment. And he said, you know what? Until people have done what this man has done, until they've built the hospitals he's built, until they've influenced the nation in the way that this person has done, you know, they should just keep quiet. And I believe that when you're in God's presence for a long time, it produces a humility. It produces a brokenness. And that type of brokenness will cause you to watch what you say with your mouth. I was talking to Pastor Michael and Fadzi recently, and we we're talking about a particular man and woman of God. And um, we were just remarking with regards to these people's uh, humility. And uh, Pastor Michael said something interesting to me. He just said, you know what? That's what prayer produces. It produces a type of brokenness. It produces a type of humility. And I believe that the reason why a lot of people are careless with their words, especially concerning spiritual leaders, uh, they are like that because they're not spending time in the presence of God. Ladies and gentlemen, when you spend time in God's presence, I'm talking about extended periods, he takes you to a place of brokenness. He takes you to a place where you realize that you are nothing and he's super, super big. Okay, The only thing that's big is Christ in you. When you come to that place of brokenness, you careful what you say. And here, what I'm teaching on is the impact of some of our words, some of our criticisms. And you see what happens to Miriam in this situation. Let me give you another example. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 22 to 25, it says, From there Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, Baldy, they said. Get out of here, Baldy. Now, these were not kids. These were youth. These were young adults, probably, right? He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. And he went on to Mount Carmel and from there returned to Samaria. Now, that was familiarity with a spiritual leader. Okay, now I'm not saying spiritual leaders must go around cursing people and so on, right? Sometimes we look at this and we assume that they were killed. But it just, it says, there were, some translations say they were torn in pieces, okay? They were torn in pieces. So maybe some of them were killed, maybe a lot of them were injured, okay? Uh, I like the word that's used here, used here, they were mauled. And I think that's really an example again of how injury can come upon someone because they're careless with what they say to someone who has been anointed and called by God. Now, we look at these things and we're like, oh, Paul, you know, that's Old Testament, you know. I want, it, I want us to really carry on and to uh, look at some of these truths, okay. There's a spirit of familiarity when it comes to spiritual sacraments, spiritual sacraments. The Bible is very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 to 30. And it states very clearly that some of you, some of you, because you're not respecting and regarding the table of the Lord, that's communion, holy communion, you're not, you're not regarding it highly, you're treating it in a careless way. You are not giving it the honor that is due to it. Guess what? It says, that's why some of you are sick. 
often. And that's why some of you have fallen asleep in death, right? Um, it's important how we deal with spiritual sacraments. Very, very key how we deal with spiritual sacraments. All right. Now, I know that there are various uh, uh, interpretations of this particular scripture. Some people will say it's how you interpret not just the body in terms of um, the table of the Lord and communion, but even the body of Christ, you know, fellow believers. But regardless, you, you have become familiar with a spiritual sacrament. We need to be careful about these things because they can cause illness and they can also cause um, premature death. Now, the next one I want to look at is familiarity with counterfeit spiritual power. You see, um, one of the things about the African continent is it was great that missionaries came and they shared the gospel with us. But some of them, unfortunately, shared the gospel, but they were syncretistic in their thinking. So they said to people, you know what, it's okay. You can also still worship your ancestors. You can still do some of these practices. You can still go via via to get to God. It's okay. And so many African people continued to go to those particular churches. It was easy for them to go there because they didn't feel like they were getting rid of their traditional African religion. But I want to show you that there are consequences when you are involved in any kind of uh, dealings with the dead, dealings with uh, spiritism uh, and mediums. mediums. Uh, this is so crucial because a lot of people are very casual about it. Oh yeah, we used to do that. Oh yeah, we do that. There are consequences and can affect your physical health. <clears throat> In 1 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13, it says, Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance. This is King Saul. It didn't say he died because he, um, he, he had been jealous of uh, King David. It didn't say he died because he pursued David. He ended up seeing the witch of Endor. He ended up consulting a medium. Okay, And it says he died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. Right, um, And people don't just, don't just um, uh, die. Right? They get sick first. So there are certain illnesses that lead to death. Yes, in some cases, someone is just struck down dead and so on. But there are certain sicknesses that lead to death. And he was involved in witchcraft, really. And I know of people today who've been involved in witchcraft. I know someone who uh, passed on a few years ago. And it's interesting because he was involved in some of these things. And I'm told he actually mentioned that uh, he was involved in some of these practices. He was trying to get out of it, didn't know how to. And in the end, when he died, it was a mysterious death. All right? Uh, these things have consequences, and we need to uproot them from our families. All right? Uh, in Leviticus 19, uh, verse 31, it says, Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. One of the things which gives access to uh, the, the enemy is this, where your body is defiled, where you are defiled because of these practices. And the dead age of doing this is over. We need to choose, is Jesus Lord or, some, or someone else? And we need to choose. And let me just say something. In this day and age, when people go to Sangomas and so on, spiritists, mediums, sometimes can, can look like pastors. They can be dressed in suits. 
They can have churches where you actually sing uh, songs, the same songs we sing in church. And you can think, oh, that's fine. But behind the scene, the person is actually uh, practicing something that is not in line with the word of God. And uh, if you don't believe me, I did a whole teaching on this. How do you identify false ministries? What every believer needs to understand about false ministries. I did that about a year and a half ago. So, and you can see that on our website. This is important to understand these things. Have nothing to do with it. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 6, the Bible says, I will set my face against anyone who turns to mediums and spiritists to prostitute themselves by following them, and I will cut them off from their people. Now you might say to me, Paul, but that's Old Testament. Well, Revelation 21 verse 8 says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. It's talking about those who practice magic arts. And look how casual people are today with regards to magic. And they just talk about it and uh, children are being socialized into it. Let me tell you something. If you get into praying for the sick, healing the sick, you'll see that very often a door of sickness is opened into that person's life. Through what? Through practicing these particular things. So we need to watch out for these things because they actually end up affecting our physical bodies. Now, I want to make an important point. The devil does not do anything that results in goodness that lasts. So some people will go to certain spiritists and they think they're healed afterwards because that ulcer is gone. But after three years, they get cancer. I know of a particular pastor who shares in her testimony and she talks about how she used to be a spiritist. And what would happen was she actually did some research after she got born again on all the people who she supposedly had healed. And she saw that every single one of them was either in a worse condition or had died. So there's nothing good that comes from the enemy. Don't be conned into thinking, oh, I was healed. Oh, it was a wonderful miracle. Just look at your life a number of years afterwards. You see some people who go to these uh, dodgy places they think they were actually healed, but then what happens? They get divorced straight afterwards, okay? The enemy will always take something from you. He can't bring lasting goodness, okay? The only thing that results in lasting goodness is if we receive it from God, okay? The same demon that brought about the sickness can also hide it for a season. That's what people don't understand. So you go and you think you were healed, okay? But the thing is just hiding, and when it manifests, very often you'll find that other spirits have joined it and you end up in a worse off condition. So let's watch out for that. In Jude, um, verses 8 to 10, it says, and Jude is just one chapter. Okay, that's why I didn't say chapter 1. Right? But verses 8 to 10, in the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies. Watch it. They pollute their own bodies. How do they do that? They reject authority and heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand. And the very things they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. 
They end up destroyed by the very things that they do understand. Okay? Now, this is, this is again an important principle. There are many needless casualties of war today because many engage in warfare that they have not been assigned. Are you making sure that whatever warfare you're engaging in, you are under God's covering in that? Or are you being presumptuous with regards to whatever spiritual warfare you've engaged in? And it's important to be taught about these things. There's a powerful book by a guy called John Paul Jackson, a particular prophet, he's late now, uh, called Needless Casualties of War, that talks about how people experience spiritual backlash sometimes because of how they're praying, because they're praying amiss. And this is not to scare you. This is not to say do not pray effectively. It's just to say be equipped when you go about these things because it can actually end up affecting your physical body. The seventh point I want to make as we talk about why people get sick and what some of the causes are. Um, we've spoken about familiarity today and I'm trusting that that's landed. But the seventh one is resistance to God's agenda. Be very careful. Be very careful when you resist God's agenda, whether you're a Christian or not, you can experience backlash because God is interested in advancing his kingdom. In the book of Acts chapter 13, verse 6 to 12, we see an interesting example. It says, they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. Okay, so you can have someone who's a false prophet, but is actually working in government. Because technically speaking, that's what it was, right? Uh, the proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. Now, God wanted this to take place. But Elymas the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Now, he needs to be careful of that, right? Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's an action of the Holy Spirit. Took, looked straight at Elymas and said, You're a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You never want to be in that place where the hand of the Lord is against you, okay? You're going to be blind for a time. God was gracious because it wasn't forever. You're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Now, this might not have happened if that hadn't taken place, all right, in Elymas's life. And I'm hoping that Elymas, as a result of this, also turned to the Lord. And it's so interesting, isn't it, how Paul had a similar experience. He was persecuting the church when he was still Saul, wasn't he? And what happened? He was struck down by the, you know, he saw the, the bright light, struck down, and he ended up blind for a few days. And, um, came to know the Lord through that whole process, okay? Now you see this happening to this other person. So be careful that you do not resist God's agenda in a church or God's agenda in an individual. And this is where we need to really be wise. 
I remember we planted a particular church in a particular area and a particular pastor friend of mine wasn't too happy about it. He felt insecure about it, but he said something that I thought was wise. He said, but listen, if God has spoken to you about this, I just dare not be in a place where I speak against what God is actually doing. If this is of the Lord. All right. So we need to be careful about what we say about church movements, what we say to maybe even discourage certain people from going where they might experience life change. Right. We must not be familiar concerning these things. Do not resist God's agenda in his kingdom or in an individual or in a local church. The eighth one I want to look at is self-praise. Self-praise. This is one of the reasons why people end up getting sick. In Acts chapter 12, verses 21 to 23, it says, On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a god, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. Now, here's the interesting thing. I don't know how long after he had been struck down by this angel, how long after that he was eaten by worms, okay? But it says he was struck down, and then he was eaten by worms, and then he died. It seems like it might have even been a bit of a process. I don't know. But we're told the reason. And the reason was when people began to praise him and treat him like he was God, he received that praise. We need to be careful, people. This can happen to a pastor. This can happen to a pastor when people are shouting and saying, that's the voice of God, not man. Okay? I've, I've heard of pastors being called, you know, like superhuman, you know, like they're a God or something like that. We have to be careful. We need to honor our leaders. But at the same time, we must be careful in how, of how we treat them. Now, people will always praise you in a particular way, right? Soccer players experience it. Messi, Ronaldo, people describe them as gods. The question is, how do they respond? How do they respond? There was a particular, very popular pop group back in the day. And they would say, we are more popular than Jesus now. Quite a number of them have died from that particular group, all right? It died very young, right? But it's interesting to me uh, that Scripture is showing us time and time again that when you're inflated with pride, there are consequences. And there were consequences for Herod, all right? We need to make covenants with the Lord where we say, Lord, when we have breakthrough, when things go really well, we will give you all the honor and all the glory and we will not take any of it for ourselves. In Daniel 4 verses 25 to 35, it says, you'll be driven away from people and you will live with the wild animals. This is Nebuchadnezzar, okay? You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. For me, this speaks of uh, insanity, okay? It's not an ordinary person that just ends up doing this, but this was someone who was inflated with pride, strong when it comes to self-worship, and this is the judgment that came upon them. Seven times, will, seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. 
Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by, uh, by being kind to the oppressed. It may be then your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof, because remember his dream it was, it was interpreted okay, in this particular way. As the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence? Now, a pastor can say that concerning his church. A businessman can say that concerning his business. I'm a self-made man. Be careful of that. By my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty, even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you. So he had been warned, King Nebuchadnezzar. The royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. All authority is delegated to authority. All the power that we have, we received. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. So he'd become insane. And I'm telling you right now, there's certain mental illnesses that come as a result of self-praise and pride. My sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? You see, what you do with the praise from man can determine whether you will be struck down or not. And that's what we see taking place in the life of Herod. That's what we see taking place in the life of um, King Nebuchadnezzar. In Acts 12, 22 to 23, they shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of man, immediately because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. We need to watch out for these things. And we're fortunate because in the Old Testament, we're given all these reasons. And I'm telling you now, it doesn't change in the New Testament. What's powerful in the New Covenant is that we've got the solution. We can come to God. We can repent. And He heals us. He restores us. He's gracious and He's merciful. But sickness is still there very often because of all these eight reasons that I've mentioned. And yes, it's true. There are other times where it's just because God wants to show forth his glory and bring healing to you. And other times we just can't explain it. We're in a fallen world where uh, one of the results of Adam's sin, what Adam and Eve did, was that we get sick. So don't now go on a witch hunt and each time someone has got this disease, you're now saying, oh, it's because they did this. Oh, it's because they did that. No. The main focus of this is to understand these, these reasons and these causes so that we don't do it again. Many people 
get sick multiple times with the same thing because they're opening that same door multiple times and the devil knows it. The devil knows it. So it ends up happening that way. Now, <clears throat> with regard to the crafted prayer for this particular week, I want to focus on digestive issues, issues to do with our digestive system. And the reason I want to do this is really because um, I believe that this is so prevalent amongst children, amongst adults, and it's so painful. And it's something that sometimes even becomes uh, seemingly chronic. But the Lord wants to heal us of these particular things. Uh, I also noticed when we were praying for people in that powerful time of prayer that we had uh, last, uh, last Sunday, uh, there were a number of people who seemed to have ailments to do with their digestive system. So that's what we're going to focus on. I'll encourage you to play this back to people who are struggling with this and uh, let it get into their spirits and let them experience complete healing. Amen. So <clears throat> we're going to go for it now. Father, we pray for those with any type of gastrointestinal disorders. In Jesus' name, we declare that everything is normalized right now in the name of Jesus. We come against swallowing difficulties. We come against heartburn. We come against nausea. We come against changes, unhealthy changes in bowel habits. We come against rectal bleeding. We come against constipation. We come against diarrhea, blood in the stool. Um, we come against uh, jaundice and any kind of abdominal pain in Jesus' name. I come against all challenges associated with the upper abdominal region. I come against uh, GERD, uh, gastroesophageal reflux disease. We come against this frequent acid reflux in Jesus' name. We resist this backflow of stomach acid or bile into the esophagus. We speak order to any lower esophageal sphincter abnormalities. We speak order to all the things that might have contributed to this sickness. We speak order to hyacinthal um, hernia in Jesus' name. Any problems with the hernia right now. Um, we speak order to any abdominal esophageal uh, contractions in Jesus' mighty name. We declare that the emptying of the stomach will not be slow or prolonged in the name of Jesus. Right now we come against uh, peptic ulcers. We come against any bacterium in the intestinal um, lining in Jesus' name. We speak to any inflammation and command you to go, to go down in Jesus' mighty name. We speak healing to you right now. We declare an ease coming to your body now in the name of Jesus. That burning stomach pain is going. The bloated feeling is going right now. And constant belching is going. Fatty food intolerance is disappearing now in Jesus' name. Heartburn, nausea, vomiting blood, trouble breathing is all going in Jesus' name. You will no longer feel faint. You will, you will not have unexplained weight loss. You will not develop gallstones in Jesus' name. We command gastritis to go. We come against any injury to the mucus lining of the stomach and speak healing in Jesus' name. We speak wholeness where it has been caused by stress 
or where it's been caused by alcohol abuse, where it's been caused by chronic vomiting and allergies. You are being made whole in all these areas right now. If you need to renounce anything, renounce it. If you need deliverance, you're being delivered. You're being made free, made whole in Jesus' name. We come against gastroparesis in the name of Jesus and we declare that your stomach will not take too long to empty. We come against any delayed gastric emptying and declare that your system is normalized in Jesus' name. Just receive it right now. Receive it right now. Receive these words right now. We speak healing to you, whether the cause is uh, idiopathic or unknown, uh, or it's related to diabetes, or it's post-surgical. There's nothing too big for God. I pray against gallstones, both cholesterol stones and pigment stones in the name of Jesus and declare that there will not be too much cholesterol in your bowel, in your bile. Uh, I pray that your bile uh, dissolves the cholesterol right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that no extra cholesterol will form stones in Jesus' name. I come against any pigment stones in the name of Jesus. There will not be too much uh, bilirubin in your bowel. Your liver will not make too much bilirubin in Jesus' name. Uh, I speak order. Your gallbladder will empty all the way. These gallstones will not block your bile ducts anymore. The pain is going right now. The pain is going right now in Jesus' name. I come against all challenges associated with the lower abdominal region in the name of Jesus. I pray for those with celiac celiac disease. I come against this autoimmune disorder in Jesus' name. Your body will no longer have an extreme reaction to foods containing gluten. I speak to the diarrhea, the gas, the bloated feeling, and the fatigue and declare you healed and whole in the name of Jesus. We pray for those with diverticular disease. I pray for your digestive lining and come against any infected bulging pouches in Jesus' name. We pray for those that are struggling with anything else related to uh, inflammatory uh, bowel disease. Uh, We we, we remove that cramping and the diarrhea and uh, the inflammation in Jesus' name. We go to the root of this problem by your spirit, Lord. By your spirit, Lord, we ask, may you free them. For those with irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, we pray for a normalizing of the muscles and nerves working in the digestive system. We speak to any issues in diet or stress that may be contributing to this in Jesus' name. We come against constipation. We come against gas and mucus in the stool. We declare that you are healed and uh, that this is a thing of the past. I also come against any mood disorder contributing to IBS and I declare that this is dealt with too in the name of Jesus. Right now, in the name of Jesus, anything else, even anything I have not prayed for that is related to your digestive system, I speak healing in Jesus' name and I say be healed and be made whole. You are being made whole right now. The Spirit of Jesus is present with you. Be healed in Jesus' name. This is a thing of the past in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you're touching each and every person right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Go and never come back, you sickness. Go. This is not your portion. It's not your portion. Go and never come back. In the mighty name of Jesus and the people of God said, Amen and Amen.